0: hey guys what's up trey back here welcome back to the true blue show and i am joined by my co-host as always mr wes watts wes how you doing today bud
1: doing good man doing good hope you are and hope our guest is
0: and that special guest is the one the only you might know him as carefree chorizo on twitter but it is andrew to us so andrew mm-hmm. tell the people how you doing today
2: Hey man, yeah, it's a uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I uh, I had a fun time watching the uh, the city match earlier today, and um, yeah, I'm so happy to be here in general. So uh, thank you guys for having me.
0: No, thank you. I'm glad someone was able to watch it because I couldn't because I tried streaming on <laughs> Paramount Plus, but all that would happen is it would just show me a still of whatever how was happening in the game, and it was stuck on that. So thanks, Paramount Plus. This episode is not sponsored by you. So <laughs> Andrew. How are you feeling? Tell us how you're feeling, what's going on in life, just as much as you want.
2: Yeah, no, um, in general, fine, man. Um, from a Chelsea perspective, good. Um, you know, I was such a cynic going into Tuesday where I would have thought that 1-1, it, it, you know, plenty of people posited that outcome to me. And I was like, well, where the fuck's our goal coming from? you know um so you know i am so happy to have an away goal going back to the bridge against madrid um i didn't think that anyone looked particularly great besides ben's on madrid as well uh which you know week to week that's going to change but um but yeah from a from a chelsea standpoint from a personal standpoint um doing pretty well man yeah
0: That's good to hear. Well, if you know anything about our show, it's the fact that I like to always start out the episodes with a fun question for our guests. So, Andrew, (laughs) this question is particularly um, curled to you and you should see what's coming. So, Andrew, tell me, who out of the Chelsea squad would you peg to like pineapple
2: on their pizza? To like pineapple on their pizza well it, it's a tricky question right because like peer pressure would tell me like who's the coolest guy in the squad right <laughs> and i would say i would say ollie and uh you know if if ollie with his refined french taste buds liked pineapple on pizza i'd be so so happy um the one that hurts me is like i was spamming christian pulisic in his twitch chat when he was playing fortnite and uh And he had a pretty, pretty lackluster response about pineapple on pizza. And he kind of not necessarily denounced it, but he said, you know, why would, why would anyone try that? And maybe someone's just got to force some pineapple and marinara sauce, you know, up Christian's nostrils. And maybe, maybe he learned something from that. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe he's incorrigible. So, you know what? Christian Pulisic, lost cause. I'm going to go with Olivier Giroud. I think he's the trendsetter in the Chelsea squad. I think he's the guy that makes pineapple on pizza work. Um, and yeah, he's, he's going to make it look good just in general. So it's, it's Ollie for me.
0: I'm not going to lie. If I saw a picture of Olivier Giroud eating pineapple pizza, I might go for it. <laughs> I've, oh my had God. I mean, I've, I've had it before. I've had it before. I've just never had a great one. I've had CeCe's Pizza Pineapple Pizza, and that tells you anything. <laughs> I could tell you one of my stances <laughs> that pineapple really shouldn't be on pizza that much. You're, you're
2: getting cinnamon sticks from a, a, a buffet at that point, you know? Like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, like, Olivia actual Giroux. Sticks, not, it's, not a, it's not a metaphor
0: or play on words for crust or anything. They're actual sticks just coated in cinnamon. So thanks, <laughs> CeCe's. This one definitely isn't sponsored by you. Yeah. But yeah, I, I knew hey, I had to. Hey, welcome my, to CC. <laughs> I, I knew I had to make my fun question kind of themed around you, and I knew asking who would eat pineapple and pizza probably was like the perfect one to do for you because if you if you know Andrew, he's known for controversial food takes, and um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: definitely is
2: pineapple pizza is one of those. I have to I appreciate you setting the stage for that, Trey. Absolutely.
0: Thanks. So <laughs> let's go and transition into our blues in the news segment. I got a couple of things here I want to talk about. Virtually, this one's a little more selfish on my point, John Terry is now rumored to be an icon in FIFA 22, a new one, and he is the um, the only one that I've heard rumored to be an icon in FIFA 22, and I'm probably the FIFA ho of the soccer, or sorry, not soccer, the Chelsea community, uh, I see a couple other people like King Kingling part and a few others that like playing with Chelsea players a lot, but I definitely like to think that I am like the, the pinnacle of, of Chelsea football, Twitter on FIFA, but mm. John Terry making an icon appearance FIFA 22 is w- something that is one year overdue. I thought he was the only person missing from FIFA 21, getting an icon card because literally like everyone getting in there and then check getting in there. And then there's just Terry And so I was just literally just waiting for Terry to come in. I was just like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the final answer. He's gonna be like the trendsetter, he's gonna be like the huge one. Nah, he, he didn't make it. So, FIFA 22 changed my mind, make me want to play you again. So, but also talking about uh, future legends of <laughs> maybe a future legend, but uh, AC Milan has been talking recently about their news with Tomori and his buyout closet, which I believe is about 28 million years or so. That they are discussing, they were actually almost dead set on buying him at the end of the season. They look like they're a little hesitant now might be negotiation tactics, but they are trying to negotiate his price and and debate whether or not as the season comes to a conclusion, should they buy him? Now, Wes, what are your thoughts? Do you hope you get 28 million? Or are you saying that is an absolute disgraceful price we need to keep Tamori because he's worth more?
1: Um. Well, I mean, to start off with, I mean, he's definitely worth more in my opinion. Um, especially with the the performances he's put up with them. I know he's kind of slacked off here recently, but uh, he hasn't had much stable game time at all. So it's kind of to be expected. But he kind of hit the ground running once he got there, which I thought was pretty impressive. But I've always felt uh, and rated him pretty highly. Um, I think the $28 and I think from – if we read the same article, uh, I believe Chelsea is is standing firm at that, which I think they, they have to do. They'd be stupid not to do. And if AC Milan don't pay it, then I would I would happily take him back. I mean, worst case scenario, we can go get thirty-five, forty million for him somewhere else.
2: Yep. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I I'm such a proponent of Kayo Tamori as well. Um that that buyout clause where they said it, um, if it is what, twenty eight million euro, um, I think that's Egregiously low. I know he's been very polarizing at Milan, right? Like he's he's had some great performances in the Champions League and uh I guess in I think swing, the Europa. <laughs> Europa, yeah. Uh sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had a great tie against Manchester United. I'm sorry. I forgot that they were in Europa. Uh mind you. Yeah, I meant um, <laughs> because I knew they played menu and we
0: couldn't give Manu the satisfaction of thinking they were in Champions League.
2: It's funny because like, you know, beginning of the season, when, when you have a mind for a back four, you think two center back pairing, that guy's got the pace. He's obviously an intelligent guy too, right? Like if, if the Tamori spent half a season under Tiago Silva, I think he'd be a phenomenal center back. Um, so I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to keep Tiago Silva for another season. And I'd love to keep the Tamori as well. Um, But I I think Wes is onto something like worst case scenario, like you're going to fetch a far higher fee from a Premier League side. Um, You know, you want to pair him with Tyrone Mings or something at Villa. um, He's going to he's going to fetch a far higher fee than he would 28 million for Milan. And if they're trying to neg that down further, I think, you know, that's that's a bit of an insult and a disservice to how good of a player that that kid is. Um, I really like the guy. I would love to see him play a, even if it were a bit part role at Chelsea, I would love to see Fakayo Tamori be the rotational center back. If Tuchel wants to go with a back three, you know, that's, that's perfectly fine. And that gives Fakayo more opportunity as well. Um, But yeah, I, uh, I just, I don't think that 28 million is a a reasonable fee for for him for for Milan as well.
0: No, I would totally agree. I think the fee is way too low, and I think they kind of made that fee assuming that he wouldn't hit the ground running like he did, and yeah. it really got AC Milan's uh, interest fueling in him even more. So, I personally am on the side where I am hoping that um, Tamari comes back to the Chelsea, he gets another season to try under us. But worst case scenario, kind of like Wes was talking kind of transition to my last piece of news tammy abraham for 40 million and then tamori in a joint deal to west ham for Declan rice wouldn't be the worst type of scenario some very american mm-hmm. trading tactics there for yeah. like how the nba does it we do straight people swaps and everything in these joint deals <laughs> and everything no I'd cash i want side. some
1: cash back on on that deal. <laughs> we're giving them both of them i want rice and cash
0: Rice and cash. Wow, they would have said the opposite probably, but
2: uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be amenable for a straight swap across those three. Um As much as I absolutely adore Fikayo, like we we need Declan Rice, right? Or we, Agreed. we need Declan Rice type beat. So yeah,
0: I mean, if you put the currently what uh, Abraham and Tamori are currently valued at Declan guessed on their deals. That's about sixty-eight million or so, and that's probably yeah. what uh, West Ham were bargaining for, or we were thinking we could get them down to. So it would have, honestly, I think if West Ham were smart, they would go for it and then buy Jesse Lingard as well, keep him there, and then yep. probably they can find
2: someone from
0: hell. We could loan them Ethan Ampadu too after uh, Sheffield get relegated. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're right. If
2: they if they need someone to slot into that six role, you know, he's yeah the perfect guy for it and uh I mean it it just puts so much more emphasis on the top four race right because if West Ham secured Champions League like worst case scenario if West Ham secured Champions League at our expense I mean we have no fucking leverage like they're they're keeping Declan Rice and saying you're playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays you know and we have no leverage like oh you want to you want to travel to AZ Alkmaar or something you know (laughs) imagine this scenario imagine Leicester's form
0: is so bad they drop into Europa and Chelsea and West Ham clinch Champions League and then I would say if West Ham get the funds from Champions League keep Declan Rice and then like solidify Jesse Lingard there and buy a few more people I don't know man I thought West Mm -hmm. Ham were going to be a team always struggling with relegation they might they might take what arsenals or Tottenham's place in the big six. They look great though. You're
2: like, they, they look competitive. Like even before Lingard, like it was Antonio, it was Suchek, It was, you know, uh Sufal and all of these players that just stepped up and like beat these top six sides. So um, I would, I would love a whole rework of, you know, London representation in Europe where you just have Spurs and Arsenal consistently scraping for Europa League sides and you've got, you know, Chelsea and West Ham, the incumbent Champions League sides. That'd be so crazy.
0: I probably would love it if Everton took over one of the big six spots because I think Everton are a fun team to play. They, they have mm-hmm. some just team, um, players on their team that are just
2: like fun to play
0: against and are cool to watch, but you got to mm-hmm. love Carlo
2: too. Europe, right? I mean, that's so, such a simple vibe like carlo is just such a fundamentally sound coach too yeah i know definitely so it'd be
0: interesting to see but say clear yes or no answer west and andrew west you go first will tammy abraham be sold this summer yes andrew
2: yes if if you have timo playing no i shouldn't say that i don't want to make this about a at someone's expense but the fact that Tammy made the bench for the first time in what two, three months last week against Brighton. Um, yeah, that's that's was it Brighton or West? Decknell. No. I thought it was Brighton, but but whoever it was domestically, like he like Tammy was frozen out of the squad. It's very evident that Tuchel um doesn't think that he has something to offer the first team, which is really unfortunate. Um, and I, I really rate the guy and he played a massive role in us securing champions league last season, but in the same vein, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, one year from now, if we've got Lukaku or any of these strikers that are world-class that aren't Andy Carroll or Andrea Bellotti, like, we're going to have a good time with Lukaku as a nine. Um, so, yeah, I, I I do think just based on what spiraled in rumors that Tammy's done and and the way that Tuchel, it, it just doesn't seem like he's in his plans.
0: Yeah, and to confirm, uh, it was the West Ham game, and he came on in the 87th minute, which um, for a game where we only had a one goal differential in, um, and he put in... He put in Reese before him, which I agreed on, and then he put ZH in before there for Pulisic. And have you noticed Pulisic had been um, getting a lot of ninety-minute games in in like consecutive order, and now he's like consistently getting out of the seventieth, seventy-fifth minute or so now.
2: It's funny though because like those fixtures, I think that Tuchel is saving. Pulisic for midweek you know like like it's definitely like an endearing thing that Pulisic or that Tuchel values Pulisic to play against Madrid full-fledged and obviously I mean that paid off in spades for him um but yeah like you know what like Brighton West Ham whoever the fixture is over the weekend and West Ham was a huge fixture right like Timo scoring in that fixture like that could very well be the difference between securing Champions League or not. Um, so so all credit to him. But I am happy to see Tuchel rotate Pulisic with the wealth of wingers that we have um, to save him for the Madrid fixtures where he can just embarrass, you know, the Thibaut Courtois of the world.
0: Oh, that was wonderful. Speaking of rotation, we might, um, we might talk about later when we preview Fulham, Fulham if we should see Christian play again, or if we should see a return for Callum who hasn't seen the light of day in a good bit. It feels like, yeah. um, also fun fact, um, besides Tammy Abraham getting a little less than 10 minutes in that West Ham game. Um, so sadly I would say also he will be sold this summer. Uh, Edward Mendy picked up a yellow card in the extra third minute of extra time. And I'm guessing it was for t- time wasting. I just mm. want to say, I love that. <laughs> I love yeah. That, Mendy. <laughs> Good shit, house we're
2: overdue a shit house goalkeeper for a while, yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> definitely. So, let's transition into our game against fake Madrid, who, in all honesty, I was expecting a lot more out of. And I mean, when you look at a one all draw, and if you didn't watch the game, you could say, What do you mean expect a lot more out of? I mean, they took it to you that you didn't get the win, they didn't, they held it against you. And I'm just like, If you watch that game, you would know Chelsea were the better side. I mean, I'm pretty sure on SofaScore, we had five shots on target compared to their one. Their one was a goal, yeah. and it was an insane uh bicycle kick, basically, from Karim Benzema, who yep. somehow has some sorcery in him in every match possible. And I would just also like to point out the fact Chelsea are having a very unusual streak of bicycle super goals in their games. You've got this one against Real Madrid. <laughs> You've got Porto's second leg one, and then you have Jerude's in Atletico Madrid. And all I'm you got saying, Brighton what...
2: last season. You Brighton, know. Yeah. Yeah, f-
0: <laughs> um last season. All I'm just wondering is did we have a bicycle kick in the group stage? Because if so, then we would have had a bicycle kick at every stage of this competition. And you better get ready, Champions League final, because there's gonna be a bicycle kick in that <laughs> one, apparently, too.
1: Wasn't Ollie's in the group stage against Sevilla?
0: No, Ollie's was against Atletico Madrid in the first leg.
1: Yes, yes, you're right, you're right. Yeah.
0: But he did score one of every type of goal you basically can um, as a player um, against Sevilla. So that one was true. So Real Madrid, one-all draw. Like you said, Andrew, when you look at that um, in hindsight afterwards, it is probably a good result because we got the away goal. And that's uh, really what matters when you have a two-leg fixture against them. But also, we're thinking we probably missed out on capitalizing some chances and we're probably going to have a harder time against them maybe in London because it sounds like they may be back with some um, stronger players like Sergio Ramos, Furlan Mendy, Marcelo may really? be missing out doing to some random polling thing that he gets called for in yeah. Spain. Um, I'm not sure what that's yeah, jury about. Jury duty. Yeah. Jury duty basically, but I believe uh, Real Madrid are going to um, protest and ask for a delayed uh, service, but who knows what happens with that. But as of right now, we can maybe assume based on targeted uh, returns, we may see for Mini and Ramos return back to the side, which can be an, a huge, huge boost for them, which yes. might seem to return of a back four again. So it, we got to, we got to be prepared because I believe as the way it goes is if we score first in London, then they have to score twice to go through and we can't, we haven't conceded more than two goals, I think, since West Brom, if I remember correctly, and that was a dark mm-hmm. time. But we also haven't scored more than once since I think it was Crystal Palace on April tenth or so. Yeah. So our biggest yeah. thing is we have to be ready to either score first or not let any goals through. So either yeah. way, well, let's um instead of talking about that one, let's talk about the game we already watched. So let's talk about Timo. Timo is a big subject in the community right now. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy, and Andrew, you're smiling, I know, because we knew this was coming, and it's a sensitive subject, but it's one that's got to be addressed. He's We're talking about Timo's impact on the team and things that he's not doing enough of, things he is doing well. Mm-hmm. And um, as you pointed out before, when you look at Timo Werner's performance um, throughout the season, it's very deceptive because – you everything that's remembered about him are all these bad misses these sitters yeah. that he keeps missing and everything and that's Definitely. what hurts him more than the goals he gets in like West Ham or something because honestly if you look between the West Ham game and the Real Madrid game you'll forget that he scored the winner in West Ham because he missed a sitter that could have theoretically put us ahead over Real Madrid but like I said yep um if, even if he scored that goal we have no idea what could have happened to the rest of the events afterwards butterfly effect mm-hmm. and all so yep. Our biggest thing is our, we're so stuck on everything Timo Werner is doing wrong. We're not appreciate what he's doing right in terms of helping progress the, um play down the field, holding it up at times, which the West Ham game, I would, if I this was a video, I would insert a clip of that West Ham goal. Had some phenomenal strength and balance to hold up the ball um, on the build-up play that he did get um, before getting it to Ben and then scoring it himself. Mm-hmm. So he deserves credit for everything he's doing but I think a lot of Chelsea fans are getting to the point despite his contributions to the side, he's not, he's not helping out and solidifying chances that almost anybody else on the roster at some would argue could do. So Andrew is Timo Werner's contributions in the side enough to make him start every game. Like he's been close to, or is he more, do we need to let Kai step into the, to the limelight more, and then let Timo be a super sub.
2: I mean, look, I adore Kai in any, in any capacity that we could play Kai. I am such a proponent. I think he is just so composed and, and silky. And he's just got, he oozes class, right? Um, he's elegant. He is that that's exactly it. Trey. Yeah. He, he just prances around. I mean, it is stunning what he does with the ball. Um, and, and we talked to our, our mutual friend Travis about this too right like there there are two philosophies and it, it harkens back to I, I think it was Torres and how he was managed um, after that January window um, that I think about but there are two philosophies that a manager can take with a striker that's out of form right and it's either you play them selectively and you play them against the you know, six, five fixtures left in the Premier League. You play them against the relegation sides. You you play them against the sides that are buccaneering. You play them against the sides where you know Timo's going to have three one-on-ones in a fixture against the side at least. Or you just play him consistently, and you play him in Champions League semifinals as a nine. And the adverse side of playing him every fixture is, well, if he misses more sitters, who knows what that does to his confidence. Does that compound the negative side of his lack of confidence? Does that give him an opportunity to score a Champions League second leg semifinal winner? Um, so, so it really is a gamble. And I don't know what philosophy is better. I really like Timo. And he is going to come good. With, without a doubt in my mind, he will replicate Leipzig form. Right, like he he will be a thirty goal a season striker in the right system with the right players next to him. Uh, whether that's Kai as a nine or whether that's you know Lukaku as a nine. I don't I don't think you can drop Timo at this point. I think that Tuchel has tried to brute force his confidence and said, if you're not gonna get laid on your own, like I'm going to put you in bed every weekend and every midweek fixture and we're just going to see what happens and it's true like you you've just got to put your faith in him and uh, I don't think that Timo had a bad fixture against Madrid right the the miss was horrible but you're right um, it wouldn't have dictated a different score line it's all so speculative if Timo scored that first goal Pulisic might have not been in the position that he was to score the second goal, or he might've tried to square it to someone else. Um, So I say stick with the guy. I was very frustrated with that miss um, because the opportunity to humble Thibaut Courtois twice in a fixture would have been so, so nice. Um, But I, I can't let my, prejudice as a Chelsea supporter you know dictate my my stance on Timo so I say I say play Timo I mean I'd love to I'd love to see Tammy in the foray again that's another conversation but play Timo in the second leg against against Madrid absolutely and you know we're going to be playing on the break so you have to play Timo in the second leg in some capacity so Thanks to that risque, uh, metaphor
0: hidden. I'm going <laughs> to tap this, uh, explicit <laughs> button. I'm <on>. sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure many people will pick that up, but eh, if they do, they're smart. But. So I thought it um, was a
1: good analogy.
0: <laughs>
1: <Thanks for laughs>
0: I'm the youngest one here, but I'm definitely the first one who probably <laughs> picked up on one. He, I don't think Andrew fully <laughs> realized what he was saying until he's just going <laughs> along with it. Got with that rope, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Either way, I'll accept it. But, um, but speaking on humiliating Tebow, Tebow kind of humiliated Timo in the press um, uh, inadvertently. Did y'all see the uh, the clip that was uh, cut out from the uh, the hidden reel almost behind Zerud that uh, that Tebow was uh, was complimenting uh, Tebow on what a save he made over Timo. was like, "Wow, that was close!" And Tebow was just like, "All I did was stick out my foot barely." <laughs> so he was giving like a slight dig at Timo and really i think the reason that's gone so big it's almost because people are now saying Timo's a joke to people like he's not taking that was seriously. after the match
2: that happened Trey?
0: no it was it was in the mid it was in the tunnel as they were going oh. about to come out at halftime yeah if you find it yeah there it's uh, when they're about to come back out but timo was like yeah i
2: just stuck on my foot so it, i mean a- you you know it's bad when the players are bantering about it right like i mean you you could say that timo could ignore the entirety of twitter right like he could just get off of social media he could have some dude post his you know adidas promos on instagram stories and whatnot but you have ollie and tebow actively talking about it within earshot of him that's i mean yeah that's tough yeah the problem is it's just not it's not this earshot
0: of him it's like cameras capturing it captioned it and then everyone around the world is probably going to talk about it in some capacity. What I'm worried about, Timo, is I know he's a strong mental guy and he always speaks very well on camera. But I worry about his mentality and what's going on inside that he may not show to everyone. Because my biggest thing is I want to have a striker that strikes fear into um, opposition goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Right now, the way Timo kind of talked about him, he didn't. He act like he'd be more scared of Pulisic than he would be of Timo and i think most right. goalkeepers we come against would agree with that so it's a little troubling to me that we don't have right now someone up top that threatens a goalkeeper that makes them on edge and makes them worried they're gonna make a mistake because when you look at the majority of Timo's shots that i've seen him take they're either off target or they're directly at the goalkeeper and it's normally yeah. not either or and You're a couple right. of his goals i think that have gone in have been just under or just past the keeper so yeah. And I've seen a lot of Leipzig compilations. He has a lot of like great finesses, slots into the corner and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, Safely
2: beyond the keeper at and, Leipzig. Yeah.
0: And knowing that the guy you're coming against who can hit it just like that makes you panic, says, Do I dive the right way? Am I going to do it enough? Am I going to extend my leg enough? If they're not striking a heart and, and if they're not striking fear into the heart of those keepers, then it worries me a little bit because then they almost welcome the chances and almost dare yeah. them in a way to do it, which is something that obviously the likes of Erling Holland does a lot because the man is terrifying without the ball enough. I mean, the man's like 20 years old. He's not even, a, he's, he's he barely a man, but that dude is like, he strikes a fear into everyone. So, Oh yeah. So just to just clarify, you would, so you would start Timo in, um the Real Madrid second leg, but not in the full game.
2: I would because I I think that that, that pivot, I, I thought Jorginho was great as well. Um, but, I mean, N'Golo Kante was, you know, it, it's, it's tough to not acknowledge him as man of the match um, with the ground that he covered. I think we're going to be scrambling similarly to our worst moments in the first leg, in the second leg. Um, and I just think that you, you know, people did the Ben Chilwell-Torres edit, right um that that breakaway goal against porto um it's it's primed for timo to sit there for 80 minutes with with no activity and and just chase a ball down and just clinch that tie right if if we park the bus not park the bus but we kind of do already with three at the back and you sit there and timo gets one goal and it's one nil in the second leg in the 75th minute or something we're we're sitting very pretty at that juncture um and that's the best case scenario that i could ask for so i really do think like yeah like whether you play Timo wide which doesn't seem to be a a penchant that thomas tuchel enjoys or whether you play him down the middle I I think that he's going to be the guy to just boot and chase for the last 20 minutes of that fixture in the second leg.
0: Well, so what do you think what are your thoughts on Timo right now? Are you feeling like he's someone we can still start in these big games like Real Madrid or do you feel like like games like Fulham are theoretically more beneficial to him where he can he should be scoring a couple in those and creating more chances that could boost his confidence? What are your thoughts on Timo?
1: Um well honestly I still feel the same way I think that I've spoken uh, in previous pods and I, I, it's something that I looked at and saw after the Real game but Timo's xG that game was better than the entire Real Madrid team like my issue is he's not finishing correct I mean you can't argue that mm. but I'd be more pissed off I'd be more worried I'd be more against him if he didn't have the chances but he's making the runs he has the chances like it, that's what I, he's not Murata, you know, like it's <laughs> like if people that, that want to start that, that craft, like they need to, they need to kick rocks. Cause like, it's not even close. Like this dude's our leading goal contributor for the season. No, it's not the season that he had at Red Bull. It's not, but it's his first in the premier league and he's a speedster. He's not, he's not a strong guy. He's not going to hold up. I mean, honestly, I think the West Ham game is the first game that I've seen him hold the ball up like he did and shrug yeah. the defender off and make that turn. Fair. And if that if, if that's what we have, if he's learning that and if he's going to continue to build on that, then I got I got no worries. Uh, like Andrew said, I mean, he's going to find that front, the form. He's going to score 30 goals in a season. No, it's not going to yep. be this season. Like, get that out of our heads. I mean, to me, and I love Kai. Love Kai. Mm-hmm. He was my favorite signing. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. He's going to be a legend like Hazard, in my opinion, when it's all mm-hmm. said and done for Chelsea. But Timo's had a better season than Kai. And yep. nobody says a word. So, I, feel I mean, like some... to me, I mean, go
0: ahead. Sorry. Uh, all I was going to say is I feel like some um, in that kind of case when you say that, that is true. Timo has had a very statistical better season than Kai. But I feel like yeah. everyone's going to always come back with the argument that Kai was out a lot for COVID. And he wasn't just in the shape compared to now to where he can play.
1: Sure. Right. And, and that's true. That's true. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that's just another excuse. I mean, if they're going to yeah. make excuses for him, you got to make excuses for Timo.
2: And, and you're Especially right. Timo if you benchmark Timo off of g and goal contributions, right? Like, then you got to give it to Timo that he's had more across all comps than, than Kai has, right? Um, and then his goal involvements is that
0: that's the biggest stat, whether it be um, penalties one with goals assist, or just how you see how he's instrumental in it. He's involved in the vast majority of the goals we have scored this season yep. in some shape or form. The problem is, is that he, everyone's just tired of seeing him not make the goals himself at times. So it's hard to right. say And what, I guess something I'm wondering about, because if I'm being honest, I'm almost on this mindset. I would rather play um, Timo in against Fulham and then play Kai against uh, Real Madrid and then bring Timo in when they're all knackered, they're tired more, sure. and then throw him up and then, say, through all in. Praying. That makes sense. I mean,
2: that's like a Solomon Kalu type of substitution, yeah. right? Like, just a late, like, just bury him, right? And my big um,
0: reason that I'm advocating for Kai to start over him is that whenever I saw Kai come into the Real Matured game, I felt like there was a shift, like a shift in that dynamic and everything yeah. almost instantaneously. And I feel like Kai honestly has a more dynamic impact with the players around him like working the ball up and everything. I think the main difference mm-hmm. between Timo and Kai is they're both dynamic um, in progressing the play. But the thing is, Timo takes the ball and he runs. He runs to the corner mm-hmm. and lets everyone catch up. Kind of how like Mountain does sometimes where he like turns a man, breaks past one dude, and then he dribbles the he length of it. the midfield and then he passes the ball off. But the problem yeah. is that Timo always, in, he was terrible at this when he was being played at the left uh, wing spot, kind of in our 4-3-3 yeah. three, three under Frank. He mm-hmm. drove into the corner, all the time and everything, and waited for everyone in. And he well, just, first touch is taking him outside. To no yeah, avail.
1: And that was yeah. my to thing. To is take that, it inside. He's already passed the defense, but for some reason, he takes it outside.
0: Yeah. So I think what we see is Kai displays a higher, like, footballing IQ and intelligence in mid game than Timo, yeah. I would think. I think Timo, despite not being able to finish it through muscle memory, he acts more instinctively on just progressing down rather than trying to think about uh, how to progress everything around him. Cause my no, biggest thing I is totally get that I think that Kai helps out the play amongst everyone. Whereas I think Timo helps the play with himself and then he moves it up. And then once everyone comes up, he gives it on to someone else and then just moves around. So my thing is if it's going to be a deal of Timo breaking the press or breaking through everyone, making those long runs, Kind of like how Pulisic was able to do on his goal that Rudiger hit him. If they if people can shoot Timo for those much more often, if it's at near the end of the game where everyone's tired and everything, there no one's gonna catch him. It's yeah. literally physically nobody yeah, will catch 100%. him if he's You're going right. on goal. So it's it's Timo like, one-on-one, yeah,
2: which is it, you know. 50-50 like, <laughs> probability at that point yeah but no I mean, he I, gets I, in those positions but he just for
1: some reason wants to take it outside instead of continuing his run inside
2: yeah it it is frustrating and like that was like early timo against liverpool when like fabinho scared him off like he'd have the inside route and he would just go to the touchline and it's like eh, come on bro but like I- kai like it, it's funny trey because like I thought that Casemiro and Varon both had very pedestrian matches in the first leg. They they didn't look settled, right? Besides and, when Varon was doing the little tiki taka inside the, our uh, box. Yeah, I, I know. But like, <laughs> but like that's that is the space that Kai occupies, right? Like you're right. Like he is the guy that floats in that ambiguous spot between, you know the deep lying center back and Casemiro like sitting deep, like, and, and Madrid's going to have to chase it. Right. Like that gap's only going to get bigger in the second leg. They're going to yeah. have to for a goal. So I do think Kai's like, a, you're right. A very intelligent player to just like ghost into that space and hopefully crash the box late. And you know what, like Kai's the type of guy that could pop up in that Timo spot. Um, like when, when Pulisic has that flick, to, to be, you know, one-on-one with, with Tebow, you know, oh,
1: I putting that in
2: the top of the net. Position. Definitely. No. I <laughs> Also, thought it was kind of funny. If you notice Pulisic hit
0: it off of Ron and Ron just kind of looked a bit defeated when he did that. Yeah. But also my thing is i um, kind of going back to one of Thomas Tuchel's quotes about Christian Pulisic. He said, Christian is a great impact player. Like he can come off the bench And make change a game, and that was something that kind of sparked uh, a little debate amongst the Chelsea fans, saying, "Well, is Pulisic going to start coming into a bench role where he's just going to come off the bench, he's going to make a big impact, and that's going to be his role?" But no, we saw Pulisic develop back into a starting role Mm -hmm. now, and he's taking that over. My thing is, I think the same can apply for Timo Werner. I think Timo Werner should be used more of as as like a as a super sub, as like a secret weapon that mm-hmm. is going to be used yep. on there. Cause if you ask me who I would rather have for, let's say 70 minutes out of the 90 and despite Timo having an unrelenting engine, I would rather have Kai for those 70 minutes personally, just, sure. just for based on how I've seen his dynamic and how much I've seen him link up with almost every different player that has come on, because it seems like Kai yep. has got a relationship with Mount, Callum, Pulisic, Tammy, seems like the list keeps going on and on. And whoever comes in around Kai, Kai makes them better. But Timo, he seems a little more selective. And it seems like he really works to himself. And it's almost painful to watch sometimes when he's playing because when he's breaking runs sometimes, you can see the players don't want to pass to him. And there's one particular instance I'm talking about when Pulisic is driving down the middle. Timo's on his right. Um, I think Mount's breaking on his left. And Timo's in a spot where Pulisic... You can almost see it. Pulisic knows he should pass him, but he doesn't want to. You can almost see Mm -hmm. the hesitation in him as he's going down there, but he still does it. He does it because he knows he's going to crash right between two um, defenders and then they're going to get him, and it'll be too late to pass it to Timo. He has to make that pass earlier than later. So he does it. He decides to be unselfish and does it to Timo, and I think Timo shoots it off uh, outside the net. So that's the thing is that I feel like our players right now, they have a lot of trust in Kai. They feel very confident in him. I yeah. think our own players on that field are losing confidence in Timo, which is a little troubling to me. If he, if it's like, like Keppa
1: last season, but not to the same extent.
0: Yeah, like Keppa. Like they, the moment I knew Keppa was done. Well, I mean, granted, to Kepa, fair play to him for the clean sheets and everything that's happened. But last season, the moment I knew he was done was when he made a mistake and everyone yelled his name. That's when yep. I knew it was over for him.
1: Wasn't and that I, the FA Cup with against Liverpool?
2: It might have been. City. Was it against City? Or, or are you talking about the final where he went to sorry and he's like, "No, nah, I'm not getting subbed off." Or? No, no, no. no it not- was when there
1: was a, oh, oh okay, yeah. yeah and he yeah. didn't come out at all, and like all three defenders turned around and just yelled at him.
0: Yeah. That was, I think, that was the game that we lost like five three or something against Liverpool at the restart, wasn't it? And like yeah, 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 Pulse had yeah. come on and like him and Tammy were almost bringing a comeback and then Kappa just wasn't helping us yeah. at all. But like I said, what I'm worried about is that our players are starting to lose faith in Timo and that he's going to yep. need opportunities to gain that trust back, but it's not going to help if we keep throwing him into these big chance games, which are the only ones left in the season, which is probably like Tammy's yep. not even getting a lick in or Olivier. So now yep. if we're putting Timo in there, it's got to be a question of who? Is gonna impact the game more throughout the ninety, would it be Timo or Kai? I think Kai impacts it for the majority, and then you bring in Timo kind of as a catalyst near the end. Yeah. kind of like I mean, how Conte is at sometimes.
2: You look at the the winners that Pulisic scored, you know, or you know, the the go-ahead goal that Pulisic scored against Tebow, unbelievable goal. You you look at what Mount did against Porto, you look at what Mount did against Liverpool for for winners as well and you you think like kai isn't the guy that's going to turn and shoot without hesitation he's the guy that's going to weigh the the concept of okay is pulisic coming into a narrow position where he's got a good angle is mason mount coming into a position where he's got a great angle against the keeper and kai's the type of dude that like before he turns and he can turn and take that shot. And he's, he's just as clinical as anyone on the team, but he turns around and he looks at those two and he thinks, all right, I'm just going to lay it off. And like, that is where he brings his value. And you're right. I think in a second leg against Madrid, like if we're not going to score off of the break, it's going to be off of that type of layoff from, from Kai to Mason or Christian.
0: And when we talk about not scoring off the break, there's one thing we have to remember Kai Havertz is incredibly fast, actually, yeah. in his statistics is when he recorded. So we're not in any way saying Kai isn't fast. He can't make those breaks because he can. Timo's kind of just at a different kind of level when it comes to pace. He's literally like peak pace for us and everything. Of course, whenever you're running with the, with the ball, your pace is just naturally going to go down a lot more. But if you're making straight shot runs, Timo's going to be able to break them for days. But I do believe that Kai's level of composure that he has, either one-on-one with goal, is just a little more to Timo to where I think they both can make the breaks if timed just right. But really, something that stood out to me with Kai is in the Crystal Palace game, how easily like he was able to link up on both sides with Pulisic and Callum. And then he's able to instrumentally create two goals just easily like with Pulisic on his own. And it's like he has a level of intelligence to where he's not overthinking it but he's thinking so much at the same time and it's incredible and my thing is like just kind of an anime joke for anybody out there who likes naruto kai (laughs) acts like he has a sharingan in his eyes and that he can literally see everything happening around him because he instinctively like there was one that uh took him out right outside the penalty area because Mm -hmm. literally he's running and he knows exactly the right moment to cut the ball inside to get when veron's going to tackle him so veron won't get any ball and that is consistently how he looks on the ball and why he seems so elegant is he yeah. almost knows everyone else's movements before he makes them because he that's how he cut it he cuts inside so well that's how he maneuvers around so gracefully it's like he knows and like, it's similar to what hazard did Whenever Hazard was playing on the pitch for us, Hazard moved like he already knew where everyone else was going to move. So all he had to do was make these little movements and everything and just adjust himself. And that's what I think Kai does so well and that why he really is able to create more space, um, let other people move into space. Because whenever you see Kai too, he always attracts at least two people normally. Like Mm -hmm. you always see him. He's never covered by just one person one-on-one. Whenever there's two people on one person, someone else is breaking free somewhere. That's why I just overall, on a long spiel, I want to see Kai getting a more consistent run of form in this game. If we're not going to see Tammy or Saru come into the fray, which I really don't see because we have an FA Cup final. We have about four league games or so, I believe, mm-hmm. all of which are pretty going to be pretty tight. Fulham should be the weakest of the fixtures, but Fulham are playing well, and we can't take anything for granted considering the form we've had against the yep. lower opposition sides. Now, before we talk about how we think we'll do about Fulham, there's one last thing I kind of wanted to talk about um, the Real Madrid game because we just went a long, long talk about Tammy, uh, Timo and Tammy and the offense and Kai. I want to talk about Aspie. So there was a lot of buzz when Aspie was announced at, uh, playing the wingback spot on the right over Reese, over Callum. And if you put someone – if you put Christensen out or something and or Silva out – and you put uh, Aspie in there, nobody would have batted an eye, I don't think. Everyone would have agreed. But now that you're putting um, Aspie in a position he has been playing all year, and that we've had Reese do phenomenally in, we've had Callum see some very bright moments, it almost questions, are we going to throw our dynamic off? Or is this going to be a good matchup? We have Vinicius Jr. Pacey as hell, is he going to spin Aspie? Sure enough, a few times he did. Aspie learned to give a lot more space too. But my big issue with Aspie there is, I'm worried about Aspie's age and fitness. And that's why I thought that he would not be playing a right back role in the in a flat four anymore. And that's why you see Reese doing it. Mm. It's because the amount of tracking back and forth up the pitch that he does, it just takes a wear and tear on you at that age. And you see Thiago Silva now in the central role of the, the back three because he, does, he has the most like limited amount of space he has to run into. He has to do everything. He's kind of a pivot to pass and facilitate and just be a rock at the back. And that's also how it's nice for Aspie at his right side is because he also kind of just does it in his own space. But The Mm -hmm. problem is when he's at right wing back now, he has to attack up and pitch um, up and down. And credit to Aspie because he definitely differentiated the difference between being a right center back and a wing back by the amount of runs that he was trying to make. But nobody wanted to play the ball to him because they knew even if Aspie broke past the line or something, he may not be able to run like that for that much And the reason – and people say Aspie's a a great bill of fitness. He's barely ever been hurt in in Chelsea's uh, um, tenure with him. Well, my biggest thing is, yes, that's true. But when after you take a big injury, which I believe was his hamstring in the FA Cup final like that, that's when everything changes for you. Once you take that big injury, that's when everything becomes crazy for you. Uh, That's why Pulisic – struggles so much with his injuries because he always has one big injury. And then after every words you say you're supposed to get stronger after every injury, that's for mm-hmm. bones, your muscles. No, your muscles are going <laughs> to suck after that. So yeah. I, my thing is we don't, we have faith in Aspie the leadership on the field with Silva and Jorginho should be enough that if Aspie isn't on the field, and even with Mason, those three on there, if Aspie is on the field for a leadership role purely, then I don't think that's a good tactic. So clearly, Thomas Ducal has to be thinking that he poses some kind of more beneficial role than Reese or Callum at this time. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to think is, is this actually beneficial or hindering us in the long run? And my biggest thing I'm also going to point out is we saw Asby subbed off, and also that he looked like he could have been cramping at yeah. one point in that game, which really sinks my heart because he is still a pivotal role in this team and we can't overuse him, which He's been putting in a lot, a lot of minutes since Thomas Tuchel took reign, which I love. But at the same time, if we're rotating people like Silva for health and um, fitness and Conte, then why should Aspie be not rotated when we still have Reese and we still have Callum? If he's playing right wing back, if he's playing right center back, hell, we still have Zuma and Christensen and Rudiger who are all doing great. So Mm -hmm. my thing is I'm worried about preserving Aspie because I think he still has a role to play for at least another year at Chelsea. But my yeah. thing is if he takes another serious injury, like the hamstring, you may be looking at reconsidering things because when you're at nearer to your end, your twilight of your career, bigger injuries play a much bigger role. You don't want to be playing decide.
2: right wing back in a buccaneering system when you're in the last two years of your career. Yeah, exactly.
0: So think about this. If you wouldn't put uh Silva at right wing back, I mean, obviously Aspie and Silva, Aspie's probably a little faster, but if you wouldn't put Silva at right wing back or... Center back. Or, 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 yeah, I mean, if you wouldn't put him in a spot where he had to run a lot, then why would you for Asby? But So, Andrew, give me your thoughts on what you think Aspie is either hindering or helping us when it comes to right wing back.
2: I mean, here's the thing, right? Is like, I, I was the same way. Looking at that lineup, I was like, holy shit. Like, that is such a conservative lineup that Zidane can look at that an hour before the match and be like, okay, attack that side. That's fine. Um, and I thought that Aspie as an individual was phenomenal, that whole fixture, that whole tie. And then I thought that from the standpoint that you said, Trey, like him towing the line between people trying to play him, these threaded through balls that he has to chase down the touch line. Like that wasn't a thing, right? Like he, he found this perfect balance of like a more conservative wingback. It was, it was weird. It was like almost like a mad Doherty for wolves previously, right? Like he wasn't this buccaneering wingback. He was just playing a very balanced fixture that kept his fitness as a 30 X year old guy. And I, I've been proven wrong serially by Tuchel in his selection Um, I I would have been the guy to have played Reese in the first leg for more balance, right? Someone who'd pin, pin them back a little bit and they didn't have Ferland Mendy. Right. So, you know, you're, you're playing in in a capacity where like marcelo has got to be hauling, you know, his butt um, up and down the pitch. But I don't know what you do with Aspie for the second leg. You're right. Like he, I don't think you slot him into center back because I thought that that center back three was just phenomenal. I, I don't think you mess with the chemistry there. I think they shut down Benzema with the exception of that set piece um, on a whole incredibly well. I thought Rudiger looked great. I thought Christensen, the fact that you don't have to mention Christensen's name is a testament to him in and of itself. And Tiago Silva was just silky. Like, I mean, he was vintage champions league. Um, so, I, I guess I would, I guess I would start Reese and put Aspie in to close it. Um, and it's unfortunate because I know Reese is good for the odd error every once in a while as well. And I, I love the guy, but you know, it's do you, do you play do you play Aspy for sixty minutes and sub Reese in, or do you play Reese for sixty minutes and sub Aspian? I, uh, I don't know. I'm split down the middle on those two. Wes, what are you thinking about Aspie?
1: Um, man, I think Aspie, uh, honestly, I, I was definitely surprised um, with the fact that he started again at right like, wing back against Real. Um I definitely didn't see it coming. I, I, I figured he would start with again, like you guys. I figured he would have been at the right center back position. Um, I fully expected Reese to to be there against Real in that big game, um, but – I mean, he's Aspie. He's he's dependable. He's going to be there, but I, I think you got to start Reese next next match. But I'm with you. Don't I, you don't mess with that back three.
0: And when you say start Reese next match, are you referring to Fulham or are you referring to Real Madrid?
1: Secondly, uh, Real Madrid.
0: Okay. So would we say? I think Aspi deserves a rest against Fulham. I think that's for yeah. certain. So um, are we saying are we saying Reese at right wing back? Um, and then. Possibly Callum uh, as one of the forwards. Uh, for... I mean, we've got
2: to get three points against Fulham, right? It, hopefully, Reese is sufficient to get three points against Fulham, right? Um, And I, I would still play Reese for probably the first 60 minutes of the Madrid fixture as well. Because you mean, have to he's... think,
0: if Mendy comes back, that's a whole other dynamic on that side where Aspie plays. Yeah,
2: yeah. I
1: agree. For sure. If Mendy's back, you have to play Reese.
0: And you know Aspie, As I think the thing is, he was making those runs and everything and towing the line in the beginning of the game. And when yeah. he realized that he was going to get those balls and everything, he turned into a little more of a conservative wing back that kind of like stayed back a little bit more. And that's yep. what I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be acting like a five back almost instead of mm-hmm. three and then wings pushing up and down. So, but if we're playing against Real Madrid who have Mendy and Vinicius coming down that side, I want Reese to just establish himself and just yep. knock, knock Mendy and Vinicius to the ground and that's the kind of thing that Aspie wouldn't do. They don't he doesn't knock him to the ground, but he stands him toe to toe and realizes you're not getting past me easily. And but the biggest way they get past him is just in a straight on foot race where he can't establish and set him his ground. If Aspie can set his yep. ground and stop you from running, I think he's got the I think Asby's got that one most times of the day. But um you're but right. My, no,
2: I mean Vinicius and Mendy both beat Aspie for pace by leaps and bounds. Um which is, which is tough because I think we're going to park it. I, I'd hope we park it, uh, genuinely. But Reese against Mendy and Vinicius would be such a beautiful – like, imagine if Reese has a masterclass in that fixture against those two. Mendy coming back into fitness, but like Vinicius being just prime in form – if we shut them down, imagine the confidence that that brings into you going into, you know, whatever ensuing fixtures in the Premier League, in the Champions League final, potentially. Um, it'd be amazing. I, I think Aspie's got to close it out, though. I, I was such a skeptic of him playing wing back in the first leg. If you bring him in late in the second leg. Oh, my God. I mean, if he plays half of what he played in the first leg, he's going to be locked down.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think that totally agree. Aspie is such a trusted figure in us, in, in, our, in, in Tuchel, that he doesn't do anything really wrong that makes us want to take him out. It's more of us trying to scrape something from the bottom of the barrel to justify Reese should be the one playing, or that Christensen yeah. should be starting over him. At the same time, it's almost like Aspie needs to have some kind of role in this team because he, he, he truly embodies the spirit of the team and he brings something to the game that's nearly irreplaceable. And the problem is, is that when we have the likes of Christensen um, being able to do right center back, we have Reese, who's just a formidable, formidable uh, fullback and wing back. It's hard to say which one Aspie really should take out. Now, I think, in terms of times when Christensen is injured, Silva's injured, it makes it a little easier because you can mm-hmm. shift things around. But when everyone's at full health, there's always going to be people that miss out. And I think what was really shocking about us taking in this whole Wasby at the wingback thing is I don't think Reese did anything wrong to get benched. I, sure. think that's, I think that's the thing that shocked us the most about this and kind of trying to find some way to justify it. But also it was the fact that Aspie was able to make those runs in the beginning that if Reese or Callum was playing wing back at the time, we're like, Oh, we're, we're knocking at least two more past them just based on these runs. And I don't know if it's going to be like that on the second leg, but uh, all I'm going to say is if he's going to be a wing back more often, then he, we have to be able to use a sub on him and we have, well, we can't let him play wing back. I don't think in the league. Because we can't use a sub for that when we only have three. When we have five, yeah. then in the Champions League, I think that's what we're able to do is be able exactly. to use him for yep. a sub. But you know, he's got to be managed, just like Conte, just like Pulisic, just like Silva sometimes, that he has to be managed. Because if we see a broken Asby, I think we will all be broken. Because he, he, cause you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not even going to mention someone being missed out on the final, like in the past. But um, but Aspi has to be in the final, he has to be in the Champions League final, <laughs> playing yeah. that it has to be written in stone.
2: Yep, hundred percent. And and you're right, it, he is prime for. You can afford a fifteen minute cameo from Aspie to close out the Champions League because you have those extra two subs against Fulham. No, that it makes no sense because if something goes south. And we have to chase that game. We're burning one third of our subs, you know, in that capacity for Aspie, and he's a utility player. It's great. It, it is wonderful that he can play right center back, as well as right back. He can play left back in a back four as well, tenuously. But like you, the Champions League is perfect for. I would. Lo, I'm. I'm with you, Dre. Right? Like I want to see Reese just absolutely pocket. Vinicius, and Ferlin Mendy for, you know, 60-odd minutes and then have Aspie come in to just clean it up, and it would be beautiful. I mean, I would feel so comfortable going into a final, even against against either of these teams that we saw play today, against City or PSG. That's okay. a, that's as best of a, a duo that you could have, is Reese James just hustling for 60 minutes and Aspie just cleaning up.
0: Yeah so and I didn't I think to be able to get Reese ready for that, we need Reese uh, in the Fulham game um probably. Yeah. So let's let's wind things down by transitioning into talking about um, or preview for Fulham and who we think will play. I want to go through the lineup of who played against uh Real Madrid and then just kind of have a consensus over who we think should be starting against Fulham and who not. So Mendy and goal, I still say yes. Um, is that Wes, you and Andrew both feeling the same?
2: Yeah, it's not a cup fixture. Yeah.
0: Wes, you still say yes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's look at the back three. Christensen, Silva, and Rudiger. Uh, only changes I would make is I would take Silva out and I would put Zuma in probably. Um, and then just rest Silva if he's going to be playing against Real Madrid, which I do expect him to. So I would bring Zuma in for the full fixture. Do you all agree?
2: For Silva. For Silva. Yeah. I totally see that. And Zuma probably is a better match for what Dickerdova Reed and Mitrovic, right? So you've got you know your your feisty nine, and you've got just pacey guys. I yeah, I think Zuma's a perfect swap. Yeah, so
0: uh, sorry, Wes, what do you, you agree on the Zuma thing?
1: Yeah, I do. I think Silva needs a rest.
0: Okay. So, uh, Aspie, are we all in consensus that uh, Reese should start over Aspy?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Give Give the man a well deserved rest, in my eyes.
0: Wes, well, I'm assuming you're co- you're also comfortable with that. Absolutely. Okay. So here's a here's a controversial one. Chillwell, do we let mm-hmm. Alonzo come back in? Personally. I want to say no because Chilwell hasn't really shown size of fatigue and he's almost yep. too important on the left side for us right now.
2: Chilwell looked decent against Madrid in the first leg. Um, I have a vested interest in that I've been holding Alonso in my fantasy side for good four weeks now. Um, so I'd love to see uh, Chilwell rested quote unquote for champions league, but no. In in an objective wanting Chelsea to win sense all fixtures, um Chilwell looked unbelievable against Madrid. Not unbelievable. He looked great and he showed no no signs of needing rotation either.
1: Totally agree. Chill's got to play. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at our
0: midfield. We got um we got Jorginho and Conte. I think the biggest thing is Conte probably is going to be rested. Well, he, oh, here's the thing: it's not, it's not a for sure because we don't know if Kova is going to be healthy for Fulham. I think he's actually in doubt for it. I think it's yeah. It, I think they're saying he may be back for Madrid, but I don't even think he would start Madrid necessarily. I think he'd be come on more as a sub, just based on what he's been dealing with. So here's the biggest question I'm going to pose: if you're gonna, if Kova is not starting, do you start Billy Gilmore over Conte so he rests? Mm.
2: Absolutely. against fulham yeah yeah i th- i think so uh it's tough because people were shouting for Coven the second leg for madrid and it's like hey if we're gonna be stuck in the back this whole time you know let's let's have a guy who can at least beat a press because you know that Madrid's going to come with that, but then you also look at it and you're like, "All right, who's that front three? It's Benzema, it's Vinicius, it's maybe Hazard. That's a relatively not high press front three from Zidane. So I don't know. Like, I don't know when Kovac is going to be fit. I guess that's the big variable. But I don't think that I would introduce him in the second leg against Madrid. I I think you you rest Conte and like. Billy Gilmore is like the the fun Twitter shout and I I would love to see him get minutes against Fulham. It it would be so much fun to watch that kid play again. And in a Jorginho, Billy Pivot is fun, you know? That's that's two very very creative and very intelligent players.
1: Yeah, especially since we should have most of the possession against
2: Fulham. Yeah, you'd you'd hope so, right? Yeah. Let me ask a
0: question. It definitely should be make it easier on y'all to decide. What would you rather see if Conte has to be rested? Would you rather see Jorginho Billy or Jorginho Mount?
2: Uh, Mount didn't work in the pivot though, did he? Yeah, I'm going Jorginho Billy. Yeah, I... I it's, a, it's unfortunate. I just think Mount does more in that front three because if Mount doesn't play in that pivot, Mount plays in the front three, right? Like, yeah, that's the thing um yeah so it's it's billy billy Jorginho. and mount you know mount can play in a pivot if we get declan rice that's that's my mentality
0: <laughs> yeah, that. yeah it'd be interesting to see i mean he, <laughs> he he's played he had a brief stint in the fa cup i think where he played uh the pivot and i think that was under frank's last game wasn't it um
2: yeah when we have the captaincy
0: yeah, so I think Billy does. Wouldn't say deserves to start, but because he hasn't been able to play much, but I would say it's more feasible to, for him to start because he's really the only clear-cut midfield option we have uh, if Conte needs to be set. And I do I mean, think
2: looking looking at the fixtures, if Billy were to come in in any fixture, it would be that Fulham fixture on Saturday. So yeah,
0: there's there's not another one I think that can justify it. And definitely, I don't think Kova should be rushed because I think it's more yep. important he comes on for the Real Madrid game as a sub, at least yep. just um, bring some energy into the team. I think Conte has to be OK to start it. So when you look at it, the Real Madrid second leg is more important than the than in the Fulham game to me. And I think I think we should be able to do enough. I don't think just putting Billy Gilmore in for Conte constitutes whether we win or lose. I don't think it sure. at all. So. I think – and Conte can still come in as a sub for Billy if need be if something goes wrong. But the thing yep. is, I don't think we need to go guns blazing with Conte right after this game, especially when we have, like, the turnaround of going from Saturday to Wednesday and back. It's yeah. – we don't know what kind of um routine he's on, medical team-wise totally. and everything. So, And then close it out. We had Werner, Mount, and Pulisic as this front three. But I would say, personally, I would want to see – pull a sick start maybe go out the 60th minute or something if we're doing well um and then rest for the rest to get into madrid mount and uh i guess i would say kai,
2: you I would kai? Take kai. Yeah.
0: and i would say the only difference i would make to that is maybe maybe do timo kai end mount um i feel like mm-hmm. zh always has a shout to start maybe but it feels like zh comes off the bench kind of regularly now and he has some kind of i don't know some kind of impact to him but whenever zh starts he always makes me nervous now it seems like he <laughs> always true. just like gets too nervous before games almost like christensen used to do i get but, that yeah, um, yeah so big. i i'm going to it's hard to say i guess if i'd rather see christian start he needs to be arrested um for the majority of this game so maybe as a sub And Callum could even come in this game. So why don't I propose a Timo Kai mount front three and y'all agree or disagree. And if you disagree, give your own
2: Timo at pure left wing
0: at left forward. Yes.
2: I, I like that. I, I actually think that if I were to bet on a fixture that Timo would score in or bag in, in any capacity, it would be him playing off the striker. Um, So, I would have, yeah, across Brighton, across West Ham, anyone. If you told me Timo was playing nine, nine, and then on the left, I'm betting on Timo on the left. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot. And I think Mount's probably the most evergreen of the forwards. Pulisic absolutely like needs that rotation. And it's just down to do you play Pulisic on the right or the left for Mount uh, against Madrid? So
0: Wes, what do you think about the front three?
1: I, I like that front three. I think that's a good decision uh, for all the reasons you guys stated. Um, and I think I think you bring Christian on and say the 60th minute for Mount to give Mount a little rest before the second leg,
2: mm-hmm. and give Christian a run too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let him keep his form up. Yep. And don't
0: forget. Um, and then also, since Timo is such an engine, and my personal stance is I don't want Timo starting against Madrid. I'm okay playing Timo full 90 against Fulham. Timo mm-hmm. going up top for Kai, um, and then bringing even Calum on, um, yeah, in that absolutely. left forward position,
2: yeah. or vice oh, yes, versa. For
0: Mount. So, uh, like I said, my biggest thing is we need to see in Fulham what we did against Crystal Palace. It needs to be 20 minutes in. It needs to be two nil up to where Tuko can comfortably say, "I'm going to save X, X, and X to um be ready for Madrid." That's the biggest thing <laughs> for me.
2: That's why you want Kai up top. To get yeah. two nil up early, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because I want Kai against Madrid. Because what better way to announce himself and say <sighs> I'm going to be a future Chelsea legend than by toppling the giant summer? I cost
2: 35 million less than Eden Hazard did. Just if you're, beat you in the Champions League semi final, yeah. If you're going to be a Galactico signing, you got to topple the Galacticos. It's poetry. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: so like a... that's that's what I'm hoping. So score predictions for Fulham. I'm going to say.
2: 2-0. Uh, that's fair. A little conservative. Yeah. I know. I, no, I think we keep a clean sheet against Fulham, too. Um, we, it, It's like West Brom. Like We we have to monumentally screw up to wipe a clean sheet with this side. Um, and I do think we have two goals in it. And it, I'll tell you what, Trey. If Timo plays wide, like you suggest, I think Timo bags. If Timo plays down the middle... Maybe he gets a consolation penalty if, if it's two penalties and Jorginho gets one, Timo gets a consolation in a second.
0: I think that uh Fulham have the type of squad where I don't I'm not scared of per se, especially the defenders. But my biggest thing I'm telling you right now we're gonna struggle against is Ariola. I think Ariola yeah. is going to narrow is gonna either keep us to one goal or two goals at most. I can class in, in the we're form he's in three, right now, man. I cannot see him conceding multiple to us. So...
2: Outside the top six, he's the best keeper besides Emi Martinez in my eyes, honestly. Areola yeah, is, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, he's pedigree, too. Yeah. And he's
0: Real Madrid, too. He's Real Madrid Brad, I believe.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so uh, biggest thing is that uh, anytime we play a goalkeeper, they turn him into prime Iker Casillas or prime Gigi Buffon. So, Ariola, well, you better get your icon card ready because you're about to have, like, 20 saves on <laughs> Saturday, but... Yeah. That's the over under 20 saves, make your bets. So yep. <laughs> Andrew, I really appreciate you coming on to, um, for tonight. It's that short night just to.
2: Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure guys. Um, genuinely. It's been so much fun and uh, yeah, I honestly like so many uh, predictions that you guys have put up. I'm really hoping they're the case because I think they're great, great lineups and and great tactics to, to balance Fulham and Madrid. So uh, fingers crossed, I'd, I'd love to see them come to fruition. And uh, either way, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, yeah, it's been
1: an honor having you, man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, definitely. So I'm also getting this last-minute question in from our boy Patrick Larson, um, who we definitely love, freaking just the bright light <laughs> that do. is Chelsea Twitter. Um, he asked, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you we can take three points against Fulham this weekend? I'm going with a solid eight right now. I'm gonna be optimistic and yeah. say eight. Yeah,
2: yeah it's it's yeah, right down the middle. I I would not call that optimistic. I would not call that cynical. I think eight is perfect. Um, yeah, I'd agree. And and two nil is a great score line. We win at two nil. It adds ten.
0: And I mean, if we if if we don't put Fulham away comfortably, I mean, you look at Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham, Brighton all teams we will have struggled to put away. Yeah. I just read up the, the the, the standing table from 20 to 17 in that order.
2: Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. That's, that's, it's not a good look on us either. Um, because Callum Robinson is not a fucking five goals against the top six side guy, you know, (laughs) like, and they all came against us. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's alarming because like a substantial amount of those are, under Tuchel as well so it's like hey we look unbelievable against Madrid we look like world beaters but it is horrible that we have to turn around and sweat over Brighton you know for a draw so
0: and it's also a very important weekend for us that some people might not recognize mainly because Southampton play Leicester and I can definitely I think Danny Ings is healthy right now I could absolutely see Southampton pulling one over on Leicester. I think that is totally in the cards. Yeah, I mean, they got West
2: Brom out of their system, right? They got kicked by West Brom after we lost to them.
0: Yeah, Arsenal are playing Newcastle, and Arsenal aren't a threat, but I just also can see Newcastle upsetting Arsenal and just kicking their butts. So hat
2: trick. I'm I'm just putting
0: that one out there. Man, you are playing Liverpool, and as much as we hate Liverpool to beat Man U, or vice versa, We probably need Man U to beat Liverpool because taking top two from Man U isn't something we really need to be thinking about. It's keeping Liverpool off our backs and they're on our backs right now. And then Tottenham are playing Sheffield United and well, Sheffield have nothing to play for anymore, but Tottenham also just are coming off a defeat um, in the league cup final. I mean, Ryan Mason is not a manager, right?
2: Like, like it, it is absolutely a crapshoot. If a it makes re- already relegated, like chef he
0: he makes Gussetink uh, for interim manager look like a freaking star. Yeah, in terms yeah of absolutely. So, and then Burnley against West Ham. Well, we just I I can see some shit I was really going on in that game. Just I ruining. can see that being
2: a goalless draw. <laughs>
0: that would be such a West Ham thing
2: to do. Just a it? a Burnley Brexit ball, just masterclass. Yeah.
0: But should all things go in our favor, we could be within one point of Leicester, and we could also be probably six points ahead of West Ham, and then seven ahead of Liverpool. And I think that's yeah. the type of lead we're gonna really need, especially coming into these last fixtures against, I believe it's um, Leicester, Aston Villa, Arsenal, and Man City, which oh, is that's a
2: yeah that's a run
0: into to never want to end a season, yeah. but. This season really feels like it's a, a really long one. I don't know about y'all, you're, bit, but you're it,
2: right. This week is like, I, I didn't even realize all of those fixtures. Like, you're right. That's like a six point deviation that could swing either way for it, us. So,
0: it, it definitely, and we have, we can't take a draw. We have to take three yep. points, or 100%. else we are going to be responsible for our own fate at the end of the season.
1: But absolutely.
0: Yeah. God. I don't want this season to end really because it's a good one, but at the same time, wow, it is taking a toll. And I mean, compared to project restart, it feels like it's dragging on. And maybe it's because oh of God. how much we've yeah. been involved in the champions league and the FA cup still. So it maybe it's because we had a huge break um, in the, in the fixtures uh, last season, but now it's like, everything's happening and we're just like, good gosh. But then we still have, No, you're worst. right. It's all
2: the competitions we're playing in you're yeah. right the first time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Except the league cup. Who cares about that one? <laughs> Exactly. Either way, um, but also for the record, if we had beaten Tottenham in the League Cup, we would have gotten to the final and we would have won that too. So we would have been going yeah. for the treble. So Easily. either way, thanks guys. I appreciate you, Andrew and Wes, for both joining me tonight. That is where we're gonna end it. Thanks, Patrick, for the question. I glad I caught it there right at the end. But you know what? We're gonna be doing it, guys. We're gonna be pulling the uh the three points over Fulham. They'll never see it coming. We're going to pull the upset of the season. Because <laughs> honestly, if you went to Vegas and put a bet over Fulham to take some points off of us, you would probably earn some money. It's just the type of luck that happens with us. But you know what? We got to stop that. We got to we gotta stand firm. We got to say, we're Chelsea Football Club. We don't hand out points like it's freaking Santa on the corner of Walmart saying, put some change in the cup. So exactly. thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all coming on tonight. appreciate you guys for listening with us. And then stay tuned for our next episode. Any closing thoughts, Wes?
1: No, man, I couldn't agree more with what you said, and I'm just honored to have Andrew on here. Hopefully, we have him on again. Let's get to yes,
2: this Yeah, it's one pleasure, guys. Thank you, Wes.
0: Oh, and we also hope to have Andrew on for a future game night episode too with some of our boys. Um, in the future, we might have it this coming Sunday. We'll see. But you know, as we like to say here at the True Blue Show, just remember, Wes,
1: stay true, stay true and stay blue. And stay blue. All right. <laughs>